For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 179 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're going to talk about Star Wars. Surprise! Surprise! Um, can talk about Mark Hamill's thoughts on the secrecy behind the scenes on episode 9. We're going to talk about the official StarWars.com announcement of the cast of The Mandalorian. And we're going to talk about the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance. I think that's what we got on deck for this week. Oh, and of course, we're going to hear from you guys. You guys have been fucking killing it with the emails. With the emails and fucking voicemails. Like, man, thank you guys so much. I love interacting with you guys and hearing your thoughts and, and stuff on Star Wars. And, uh. I don't know. Makes me happy when I I load up that email and you guys have things to say and and discuss with us. So thanks again. Uh, well, let's just get the business out of the way. There's only a couple of days left to get our Blue Harvest Holiday Special. All of the proceeds uh, from which uh, all the proceeds from the sales go to the Castle Toy Run. Uh, you can check that out at Blue Harvest podcast.bandcamp.com thank you so much to everybody that's already purchased it um we'll be releasing uh the total number of donations we were able to raise this year and i'm real proud of you guys i really appreciate it uh if you want to check out the castle toy run on its own you know at the castle toy run on twitter instagram and facebook just check them out um you can like us on facebook at facebook.com Slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at Blue Harvest Podcast at gmail.com. Mm, good business. We have a Patreon page where every Monday we post brand new bonus content for as little as $3 a month. You can get all kinds of extra kick ass shows Cooking with Will, 
uh, Star Wars Year by podcast with our buddy Steel Saunders. Um, we also have, oh no, it's Hall Solo, Jaws, Blue Harvest Adventures with Robbo, Jesse, and Colleen playing the West End game, Star Wars role-playing game. It's a blast. It's amazingly produced by our buddy Robbo. Check it out. Try it out at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. And we are lucky enough to be that last little bit, that, that last little square on the roll of toilet paper, that one that shreds and 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 uh, doesn't come off cleanly, that's us. We're that on the big fluffy roll of two-ply that is mm. the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Don't you know it. Those fluffy squares of like, you ain't poking through this in your time of need, toilet paper. They Sir, inclu- please don't squeeze the shard. <laughs> they include, now this is podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Sith List, Podcast 2187, Rogue One, a podcast for winners, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiots Ray, First Order Transmissions, and the cargo hold. <laughs> and that's the business. How you been this week, buddy? Oh, I can't complain. Full of Christmas cheer. I'm really feeling the season. Yeah, man. It's it's coming up quick. I actually think Jesse and I have to go out Sunday and get a couple of tiny last minute things and then finally the Christmas shopping will be done. Um Yeah. It's always nice to get that out of the way. Thank God for online shopping and it really does make it easier. Yeah, man. Especially like, you know, if we want to go out here, it's it's to the Galleria or the Summit. And, man, those places get crazy this time of year. Yeah. And we actually have to go out to the Summit on Sunday. So, I don't know, man. The, the fewer trips out to these really busy places during this time of year, the better, in my opinion. Of course. But regardless... It'd be nice to have it out of the way. I got my dad something. He doesn't listen to the show, so I can go ahead and spoil it. Um, my dad got a dog a couple of years back, right? Yeah. And um, in true, uh, I'm a Star Wars fan like my father before me, fashion, he named his dog Chewbacca, right? Oh, nice. Calls him Chewy. Um, and he, this dog is the most devoted dog to one person I've ever seen. Like this dog is my so dad's, your dad's dog. best, best friend. Huh? Yeah. Like he rides in the car with my dad pretty much everywhere. If my dad's not going to work, my dad carries him around. If he, if my dad moves out of this dog site, it flips out. Right. Oh my goodness. Loves my dad. <clears throat> well, a couple of years ago we got him like one of those official, Star Wars pet collars that looks like Chewie's bandolier, right? Yeah. And my dad was like, this is perfect because he's Chewbacca. And I was like, yeah, dad, that's the point. Um, but he stopped using that with Chewie because um, Chewie doesn't like walking on a leash with a collar. He prefers a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A harness instead of a collar, right? Yeah. So this year I found a Chewbacca dog harness and it it not only has the bandolier but it has fur too. So he looks like he's going to look like half of an actual furry Chewbacca. I think my dad's going to flip out. It sounds like it'll be awesome. <clears throat> um so what you been up to, buddy? 
<clears throat> doing a little Christmas cooking, a little getting ready for the season. Uh, reading, like I said, reading my Dungeons and Dragons books. I acquired a new little piece to my collection this week. Oh, is this custom piece? Custom piece? Yes, yes. I went to the thrift store. Not the thrift store. It's the retro store. There's a lot of shit in there that is expensive. And I went through like some old. I bought um, I bought some records for Christmas, and uh, a couple of Fleetwood Mac records that were in good shape. And then I went over to the old, the old D and D books, and like they had all kind of stuff. They had original Dungeons and Dragons and advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like the player's handbook and stuff. All like thirty or forty bucks. I was like, I'm not paying that, and like I don't need that. You know, I wouldn't play that era of Dungeons and Dragons, but I looked through anything that I wanted and I found this one little AD&D module that's a paladin in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, and I read through the story and it's pretty kick-ass. Like, I I don't know if I'll, I mean, it's for epic level characters and I don't know if I'll ever have a group that plays that high that'll be ready to do it, but the, the story is kick-ass and I, uh, I can't wait to play it with a group if I do. Man, I have a lot of nostalgia tied in with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Because that's the first edition I played as a kid. and Yeah, just, me too. Just the artwork and stuff involved in that. Like, I don't know, man. That... Speaking of, there's a Dungeons and Dragons Art and Arcana book that has just come out. That's all of that. All of the retro art yeah. from books and stuff. You don't it's rem- all in one collection. It's really cool. You didn't remember me telling you about that? Well, I think it's I think maybe you told me about that. Yeah, yeah. it's like Kyle, Kyle Newman did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a cool book, man. And there's like a um a special edition like a a limited edition that had like a special slipcase cover for it and this artist, I believe he's Hydro74 is what he goes by, like his professional name. He's done a lot of Star Wars art. Uh, I actually have like a sticker of like a Samurai Stormtrooper that he did on my laptop. Um, he's done like Celebration stuff. He does Gears of War artwork. He does all kinds of incredible artwork, right? And he did the uh, the limited edition slipcase artwork for that book. Incredible. And then he also put out limited edition of the three core rule books for what is this fifth edition they're on now yeah fifth edition they they say D D next but it's fifth edition right so he i think they're trying to get rid of numbers he he released uh they put out like special editions with his artwork on the covers so awesome i think i might dive in and get those at some point um just to have the newest edition and to um have that artwork it's so badass <clears throat> well anyway so yeah that's cool so you picked up that module book i did i did you know that's something I... i'll give you a peek and uh, if you ever play it yeah i gotta act like you don't remember this okay you know if i i mean you know how i prepare for these podcasts i probably yeah. won't remember yeah right okay so asmodeus the Lord of the Nine Hells, right? Uh-huh. He creates a crystal orb that within it is an entire world that he hopes to corrupt, a, a world of sentient beings that he hopes to corrupt and gain their worship and therefore strengthen his power as a deity. Huh. Uh, so a group of adventurers stole this ballast crystal 
Emiracle, the the chaotic, the wizard, and Clysandral, uh, a paladin, and both uh, got it stored in a temple. So you know, Asmodeus couldn't find it. It was on holy ground, and Asmodeus got pissed off. He waited till damn near everybody was dead from that adventure and party, and then he sent somebody to get it. And what he did was he gave her a scroll that would send the entire temple to hell. So fucking metal. <clears throat> yeah, it's metal as fuck. At the at the funeral of Clysandral, that paladin, she hates him, the the operative of Asmodeus, and she cast that spell on him directly, and it ta- at his funeral, and it takes the whole temple to hell, and that paladin is denied his final rest, you know, in in heaven, because uh, his soul is damned to hell, and you have to, as the party, go down into hell. And uh, bring that temple back up out of hell, <laughs> Asmodeus, from getting the Valus crystal. Dude, that's, temple. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty sick. I was reading through that and I was like, "This is sick as fuck. This is metal." And I, I just like, imagine I you in this like antique store yelling that out in the. <laughs> this is sick <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, you know what's weird is I don't know that I've extra actually ever played a D module game you know what i mean like someone that was yeah. working off of a pre-made module i always enjoyed looking at the books in the comic book store like the module books if they weren't the ones that came like already wrapped in plastic like like you couldn't yeah. flip through but i always enjoyed those but like when i was a kid like D books were fucking expensive 30 right. 40 bucks a pop so i was lucky to have, you know, the core rule book. And I mean, then, that's the way we did it when I was a kid. Right. I mean, we didn't play through modules. Like, all I ever really did was play through, you know, my cousins or my friends' custom campaigns that they would build from yeah. scratch, you know, that, that, that the game gives you the ability to do. And I I honestly have, have only played a module game once or twice. Mostly my experience with D&D is playing, you know, people's custom stuff. But I I have these books, you know. I have the books and um, that could get a, a set of characters from, you know, first level to 20th and beyond mm-hmm. if I ever have a player group. And I, I determined to one day. Um, I have this affinity, and then we'll move on to Star Wars. You got me rolling on this, and now all these m- memories. So I used to hang out at the comic book store a lot, and... It was before third edition, well before third edition. Um, and they started releasing, they looked, they were a little thicker than like a module, right? Um, yeah. And they were basically handbooks for like advanced classes. So not like fighter, wizard, sorcerer, ranger, things like that. They were like ninja, samurai. Uh, oh, wow. And things like that, right? Like. Right. advanced classes and there was no crazy artwork it was like a fake leather texture with dungeons you know advanced dungeons and dragons and like imprinted gold font and then the name of the class for whatever it was and man i used to sit there and look through those and be like oh uh, today's the day i'm gonna get the one for the samurai and i never did but mm. i have a, an affinity for those if if i came across those in an antique store or a retro shop or whatever i would definitely pick them up Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I need to come check out yours in uh, Birmingham. Yeah, you need to come. Next time you come to Birmingham, 
we should take a trip over to what's on second. Yeah. And I don't particularly remember there being any old Dungeons and Dragons stuff, but I also wasn't on the lookout for it, you know? But damn, if you want to see a lot of stuff that's going to bring back like nostalgic memories, that's the place to go. <clears throat> um, yeah, man, it, it's a cool store. Um, yeah, next time you come, there's a, a couple of cool places we could check. And speaking of which, remind me after the show, I actually need to pitch a, a, a visit to Birmingham to you um, that would be coming up in a few months. It's not soon or anything, but... We have sort of a momentous occasion coming up in Blue Harvest history that I have some special ideas for. And uh, one of those special ideas would uh, require for you to be here in person. So, Okay. We'll just sizzle that a little bit, and I'll tell you once we finish recording. Hell yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, um, we're just going to jump into the big announcement of the week. You know? The Mandalorian was announced a couple months back it's been filming for a couple of months back we've been talking casting rumors and information and there has been no official word from star wars now as far as non-official word goes you couldn't have gotten any stronger than what we were getting you know we were hearing from making star wars we were hearing from places like the rap hollywood reporter um and places like that with casting information but no official Lucasfilm, StarWars.com announcement, right? Right. Well, that all ended this week. This is what StarWars.com posted um, just yesterday on December 12th. Pedro Pascal revealed as The Mandalorian. All-star cast to appear in upcoming Disney Plus Star Wars live-action series. Lucasfilm is pleased to announce the cast of the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, The Mandalorian. Pedro Pascal from Narcos has been cast in the title role as lone Mandalorian gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy. He is joined by Gina Carano, Giancarlo Esposito, Emily Swallow, Carl Weathers, Omid Abtahi, Werner Herzog, and Nick Nolte. We're having a great time working with this incredibly talented group and excited for everyone to see what we're up to, says executive producer John Favreau. Currently in production, The Mandalorian is written and executive produced by Jon Favreau, with Dave Filoni directing the first episode and serving as executive producer alongside Kathleen Kennedy and Colin Wilson. Additional episodic directors include Deborah Chow, Rick Famayua, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Taika Watiti. The highly anticipated series will be exclusive to Disney+, Plus, the Walt Disney Company's upcoming direct-to-consumer streaming service, which is set to launch in the U.S. in late 2019. Stay tuned to StarWars.com for updates. StarWars.com, all Star Wars, all the time. So. Hot diggity dog. Hot diggity damn. Bryce Dallas Howard, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, she's she's uh, directed an episode. We knew the directors, you know, from the previous announcement, right? Um, so, like I said, Pedro Pascal, that was the first bit of casting uh, rumor that was ever posted, and that was for making Star Wars. Um, so we knew that was definitely a possibility, and, and it seemed to be coming more and more likely as other trade sources sort of jumped into the pot. Um, so we've talked about him. 
Gina Carano, that was one that was reported just a couple of weeks ago. She's confirmed. Now, here we go. Giancarlo Esposito. Do you know who that is? I do not. He played perhaps one of the most intimidating, badass villains in all of TV history, Gus Fring on Breaking Bad. And the fact that Gus motherfucking Fring is in a Star Wars show has me so excited. So excited. Sounds awesome. (laughs) Oh, check this shit out. So... When this announcement came out, I texted our buddy Steve because he's a big Breaking Bad fan, right? And I was like, Gus Fring's going to be in Star Wars. And he's like, yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. And then he um, told me that Gus Fring was in Birmingham not that long ago. And the reason he was in Birmingham is because they were filming an Aaron Eckhart movie here in town. Um, yeah, our buddy Jeremy saw them doing like, and I think he put it either on his Facebook or his Instagram, saw them filming like a chase sequence with a helicopter and shit downtown. Mm-hmm. And he filmed it. Cause like they, you know, they had the streets blocked off and stuff, but right. not only was Gus Fring in Birmingham, he was filming in Steve's building, the building Steve lives in. In the Phoenix? Yeah. No shit. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Man. I could, I, 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 you know, if I was just like, if I was just going over to visit Steve and the elevator door open and Gus Fring was hanging out in that elevator, holy shit. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I'd be speechless as well. But yeah, I'm very excited. I am very excited for him to be in uh in star wars like that's that's exciting good good choice yes he is an excellent actor um you know we have obviously we have no sort of hint at what type of character he's going to be playing but if he's playing a villainous role like get ready that shit is going to be intense because guys if you haven't seen breaking bad you haven't seen like or and, and don't understand the sort of hype behind this guy being in star Wars, you got to do your homework, go and watch it. It's a great show as it is, but damn, his performance as Gus is terrifying, dude. It's so good. Um, there's an interesting little bit of information in this casting that I would have never caught before. If it wasn't for our good buddy royalty himself, King Tom bringing it to light on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah, so um, the actor's name was uh, Ahmed oh, uh, Ahmed Abati. I hope I'm saying that right. Omid Abati, right? Now, just seeing that okay. name, I wouldn't have connected this. But guess what? He's already had an appearance in Star Wars, in Star Wars The Clone Wars. And guess what he played? Oh, what? He played a Mandalorian. Okay. By the name of Amos or Amos. Been a while since I've seen the episode, and I'm just going to be quite honest, do not remember how to pronounce this character's name. 
But Amos was a Mandalorian human male cadet of the Royal Academy on the government of Mandalore during the Clone Wars. In the course of his academic career, he attended classes with several friends, including Corky Kreez, nephew to Duchess Satine Kreez, Satine Kreez? I'm saying that wrong for sure, of the new Mandalorians. Uh, Although Amos and his companions managed to expose a black market conspiracy on their homeworld, they were unable to save the Duchess during the rise of Death Watch. Um, Death Watch. Pretty fucking interesting, man. So uh, an actor who has previously voiced a Mandalorian is now appearing in the live-action Mandalorian. Yeah. Now. You think it'll be the same character? I don't know. I mean, so, you know, when you think about Dave Filoni's involvement in the show, right? And Dave Filoni being, like, the shepherd of the Clone Wars and, and the creative, you know, one of the main creative forces behind it. And the fact that he's directing, I think, two episodes of this show and this guy's coming. It makes you wonder, like, is he going to play that same character? I don't know, man. I don't know. It would make sense, but, I mean, it doesn't have to be. You know what I mean? Like, No, it definitely, it definitely doesn't have to be considering it's, you know, the difference between animation and live action. That alone gives them full freedom to be like, no, they're two separate characters. Like, you know, obviously, but it does make you wonder, man, it would be pretty tight if he did. It's just interesting that, you know, this show is the Mandalorian and they cast a guy who has already voiced a Mandalorian character, you know? Yeah. So props to King Tom for bringing that to my attention. He didn't like seek me out and be like, Hey, did you know this? I just saw him talking about it on Twitter. And I was like, God damn King Tom, you are a wealth of knowledge. Look at you. you. Know your shit, sir. You know your stuff. Interesting to me that they didn't mention that in the, the press release on starwars.com and whether that's intentional because they didn't want to bring it to people's attention because they want that to be secret or, or whatever it is. I just I thought that was kind of interesting. <coughs> but yeah. Lots to be excited about, man. That cast for The Mandalorian is so badass, I think. Like It really is. We've talked about most of those those people before, because like I said, a lot of them were rumored and um and stuff, but damn if it doesn't like that official announcement and then just seeing you know the couple of surprises that there were man man oh man it's got me excited um yeah it makes me wonder man like late night 2019 now they this is the this is interesting like when i first read that i took it i'm just realizing this when i first read it i thought they were saying it premiered in a late 2019 but that's not what the press release says the press release says the disney plus service is launching in late 2019 oh so granted they it's pretty likely that there's going to be some sort of original star wars content on launch i don't know if it'll be the mandalorian 
or the last season of the Clone Wars. But either way, you know, we kind of had that <clears throat> uh, hints of that of that app open, you know, launching like maybe fall of next year and stuff. So yeah, that's not as big of a deal as I thought it was at first. I thought it actually was saying that's when the show was going to premiere. <clears throat> Man, you know who I like? Who is that? Mark fucking Hamill. Of course you do. What did he do now? You know, he's just he's just awesome. Um, so, Entertainment Weekly this week had a article with Mark Hamill. Um, Mark Hamill is currently in production on a History tan- Channel show called Night's Fall. It's like a medieval drama. He looks badass in it. He's got like a giant beard and long hair. I've watched some of Nightfall. I haven't seen Mark Hamill yet. I might not be far enough. Well, I don't know if he's in the first season. He's in the currently shooting second season. So he may not. It may be a character that's not getting introduced until the next season. I don't quite know, right? I see. But they're currently filming that. And, you know, they were talking to him. And he kind of mentioned some information about episode nine. Nothing huge, of course. Um, He did mention that he's already shot for about a week and is due to go back to shoot more um, pretty much concurrently with his shooting on Nightfall or Night's Fall or whatever it's called, right? Okay. So we've got that. Mark Hamill's been shooting his shot for about a week and he has more shooting to come. And then besides that, he kind of just spoke on... J.J. Abrams, like, now legendary secrecy when it comes to the productions he's involved with, right? Right. And he kind of talked about how, you know, the Star Wars Episode Nine script is printed on red pages with black ink, um, which is a tactic that they employed. I think that's a pretty common bad robot tactic because they use that on Lost, although the scripts for Lost were printed that way. Star Wars yeah. Episode Seven was. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Star Trek movie war, tr- movies were. And what that does is that color combination of the red paper with the black ink uh, makes it so you can't photocopy a script. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was talking about how like there were some script changes, some rewrites done to some of his parts. And they f- flew one of J.J. Abrams' assistants over to where he was filming and this guy, or this person, rather, um, sat with Mark Hamill while he read the script changes, took the script back, and then flew back to J.J. Abrams. Like, they didn't even let Mark Hamill hold on to the script. Oh, wow. Which, you know, like I said, that's pretty par for the course for J.J. Abrams and Bad I Robot. I think I saw part of this article you're talking about, because then he said... In the seventies, he with a new hope script, he passed that around to all his buddies for like a month. And everybody read it. It may be the exact same article, and he was talking about how like he likes to do doodles and stuff in the sides of his scripts to help him remember things and things like that. And he can't do this because they won't let him hold on to a script, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Once again, not that surprising. We know how secret of J.J. Abrams when it comes to this stuff. So, <clears throat> um, But I think this is a important missing puzzle piece to a question we were speaking about last week. Um, remember when we were talking about Kevin Smith visiting the set? 
and he yeah. he mentioned that he saw a career best performance from someone that he had seen in the movies previously, right? Yeah. And we were speculating, oh, could it have been Mark Hamill? Could it have been uh, Billy D? Could it have been Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, you know? Because we have no information to go on, right? Right. Well, first off, friends of the show over at the Scavengers Horde, they put their minds together and did some research uh, that they talked about on their latest episode. Uh, at the time that Kevin Smith was on set of episode nine, Adam yeah. Driver was in America. Okay. So it was not Adam Driver that he saw giving a career best performance. More than likely. Uh, <clears throat> secondly, if Mark Hamill has shot on a shot for a week and was being interviewed for this EW article, to me that rules him out as well as being on set when Kevin Smith was there, right? Just the timing of this yeah. article and stuff. Yeah, you would think. <clears throat> so I think that probably rules out Mark Hamill as well. So like, it seems like the pool of possibilities might be slowly shrinking. Yeah. I'm hoping... You know, once the movie is out, Kevin like somebody brings that up to Kevin Smith, and he uh, he lets lets loose what scene it was. If we, if it's not one of those things that we can see and be like, oh, that that must be what he was talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I like the uh, detective sleuthing work that's been going on with people with just that tiniest little quote from Kevin Smith. People have really been digging in and doing their Sherlock Holmes work figuring out they really have yeah i dig that man the star wars community when they put their heads together and like work on this shit man they can they can pull off some cool stuff i didn't even think about that i didn't even think about looking into what old adam driver was up to you know yeah good work putting the pieces together good work <laughs> you just earned your star wars episode 9 detective work merit badge scavengers horde enjoy level up ding all right so yeah that's what old mark hamill has to say about his time on episode nine i think that's uh pretty interesting but you know it's interesting it, it, much like mark hamill said once it's like it's different but it's the same everything's different but everything's the same real sets practical effects like it's a new Star Wars article with the Episode Nine information, but there's really nothing new in there. Right. We know this is J.J. Abrams' like mo. This is how he operates on the set of a movie, so not that surprising in the end. Yeah. All right. So you want to talk about some Star Wars Resistance? I would love to. Um. Do you know what the name of this last episode was? No. I am drawing a blank as well. Uh oh. Uh, let me look. I'll look it up. It's so it's episode ten, I believe. It is the last episode before Resistance goes on uh, a short break until next year. You know, sort of their mid-season break. Yeah. Maybe it's episode eleven, even. It was absolutely. It was absolutely episode eleven, uh, Station Theta Black. Was the Station name of this. Theta Black? Yes, was the name of this episode. Um, what'd you think, buddy? 
I thought it was good. I thought it was everything you would want in a Star Wars, you know, show. They they hit all the basic. There was blaster fire. There was some spaceship action. There was a chase. There was espionage. There was an explosion. There was Captain Phasma. There was Poe Dameron. It had all the magic. All the magic it needed. It was. It, it, I, I totally agree. Like, a very strong episode, I thought. Um, I feel like I've been missing Niku the last couple of episodes, though. Niku hasn't yeah. been in the last couple. Yeah, you're not wrong. But regardless, it, it was definitely a pretty important episode as far as moving the First Order plot side of things forward. Um, so it basically dealt with um, Kaz going and meeting up with Poe Dameron. And Poe Dameron takes Kaz in to meet none other than General Leia, which was real cool. The, the moment that door opened... And they started playing Leia's theme, and she was standing there. I was like, oh, that's real good. That is pretty damn cool. <laughs> uh, and interesting fact, Leia, not voiced by the original lady, who was announced to be the voice actress, Rachel Butera. You know, she uh, showed her ass on Twitter. Not literally showed her ass. She, she was an asshole on Twitter, is what I'm just trying to say. I, I guess not everybody might be used to the term show your ass to mean like you're acting a fool on Twitter. And um, yeah, looks like she got the can and was replaced as the voice of Leia. The lady who took over, I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, did a wonderful job, I thought. I totally bought her as General Leia, so that was nice. Um, <clears throat> but basically, Leia sends... Kaz and Poe out on a reconnaissance mission and stresses to Poe, like, do not engage, right? Which right. I thought was a really nice sort of character mirroring thing with Leia and Poe in The Last Jedi, right? With sort of their relationship in The Last Jedi and Poe defying Leia and her predecessor in Admiral Holdo and stuff. So to me, it felt very true to their relationship and to the character of Poe Dameron, which yeah. I thought was nice. Like it's nice to see that consistency of character carry on between the movies and the animated series, you know, that's true. Um, and what happens from there? So they, they're going to check out this first order space station, right? Basically. And when they get there, they, they scan it and realize, like, oh, it's been abandoned. They go and start checking it out, and they get caught by a droid, right? Sort of like a patrol droid or a security droid or something? Yeah. Right? It opens fire on them. Right. Which basically alerts the First Order, right? Yeah. And then you get some First Order business with Phasma. And the guy in the red, who I always forget his fucking name, he's not Pyre, that's the guy who is in the all-gold armor. Um, and she's like, well, we're going to go check out this station because it's scheduled for demolition, and there appears to be intruders. So they head out and basically arrive at the station, and Poe and Kaz have to find their way off the station uh, with it being full of First Order troopers, right? Right. Um, 
I'll tell you my favorite part of the episode. Uh, the Leia part was great, but my favorite part of the episode is when they get trapped in the hallway by the First Order troopers and the bombs are there and like Poe is like refusing to drop his weapon and Kaz is like, dude, I don't know. I think we're supposed to surrender here. Like yeah. that was like, so good. No. Yeah. Like I, I felt like the writing on that, like to me, that scene, you could have lifted that scene out of that cartoon and put it in the force awakens or the last Jedi. And it would have fit perfectly. Yeah, that's true. Like the writing of it and like the writing of Poe. And obviously you have, Oscar Isaac doing the voice, so that helps a lot too. But like, I thought that was spot on, per- personally. <clears throat> um, but yeah, just a solid episode, right? So they, right, they end up escaping, um, and getting sort of caught in the, the blast of the destruction of this station, and are like flying their X wings out. I thought the like the X wing flight stuff through the the debris and the um asteroid field and stuff i thought that was really well done pretty good yeah yeah kaz does a special hide on a or use a an asteroid as a shield maneuver like i just once again like solid this series to me has been like there have been times when it's been excellent and then there's been times when it's been good there's been times when it's been pretty good and surprisingly few times where i've been like "Eh, i don't care for this that much you know yeah yeah. So just overall, on average, just a solid series that I'm enjoying. Um, and then probably the most important part of the episode is when they return to Leia, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And they sort of report on what they found. Yeah, and, and they leave out the the entanglement part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that Poe did, in fact, engage. Yeah. Um, and basically the information that they get from that station tells them that the first order has been, uh, developing weapons and a lot of them. Right. Right. Which that's the minerals that that mine was for weapons, basically. Right. And, you know, this, I think the series is doing a really good job sort of lining up with the books and other canon elements that we've heard about the leading up to the force awakens with the whole demilitarization demilitar you got demilitarization that that exactly uh of the new republic and the treaty that they signed with what was left of the empire and how a lot of the senate doesn't believe that the first order is a threat and whether that's because they just don't want to believe it or they're directly profiting off of what the First Order is doing, you know? Yeah. And, like, Kaz says to her, like, if if there's many other senators like my parents, they're not going to believe that this is any reason to be concerned about the First Order, you know? Yeah. So it, I think that, like, just those couple lines of dialogue really enforce and line up well with what we know about this period in sort of Star Wars history. So I like that kind of stuff. I do too. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a solid episode. So if that's episode 11, this is the direct midpoint 
of the first season. I believe they announced that the first season is 22 episodes long. So, you know, <clears throat> exactly halfway through the season, I feel like that's a nice little place. It didn't. I wouldn't say it exactly ended on a cliffhanger, would you? Not exactly a cliffhanger. But like a nice... It was this nice, suspenseful little point. Yeah, a nice, a nice midway point to leave us on before we pick up and get the ball rolling sometime next year. I was trying to look and see um, if there was an official date for when it's returning, and I haven't seen it yet. And I want to say, because they used to do the same thing with Rebels, where they would take a break sort of towards the end of December, and I think it normally came back in like, Towards the end of January, beginning of February, normally. Yeah. So that's probably around the time we can expect it to come back. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna miss it. I was, I got quite a bit of enjoyment out of, uh, of my weekly Star Wars Resistance fix. So I'll be right. glad when it comes back. Me too. It was a neat little show to watch every week. I wasn't missing any of it. Yeah, and you know, I you know the the only thing I would say, leading into the end of the season, is I hope it just sort of continues to ramp up, and bring in those story elements. At some point, I feel like, you know, it's it's really going to kick off, and it could honestly not be until the season finale of this season. You know, I could see right. them sort of just slowly building and then having a big explosive season finale. Um, I honestly wonder if if the season is going to end with Starkiller Blaze base blowing up um, the Hosnian system. That would be interesting. Yeah. And we know at some point Poe Dameron is going to have to take BB-8 back. Because BB-8 I mean, yeah, he can't stay with Kaz the whole time. Right. And, and I figured they would fly together, but they didn't in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Poe po sticks with uh, CB23, who, by the way, I think that's going to become Kaz's sidekick droid when Poe has to take BB-8 back, you know? Yeah, that'll be cool because it'll be getting to know a new character. Yeah, and we've gotten, a, like, you know, he showed up in the last episode that Poe was in when they um, when they were on that uh, the freighter with the monkey lizards, right? And then he's back in yeah. this episode. So it'll be cool. Um, I almost feel like that's what they're setting that character up to be is like Poe's, or not Poe, Kaz's new droid sidekick. Because the producer said, you know, like we talked about either last week or the week before, that eventually the show is going to start running parallel to the sequel trilogy. So BB-8's not going to be um, a main cast member permanently if they do that. You know, it just doesn't work out. No. <clears throat> Um, well, you want to get to some emails and, uh, things of that nature? I kind of would love to. You kind of would love to. Me too, buddy. So let me, uh, get some stuff loaded up. Because there's a certain way we do things around here. Where we listen to a song about Kia D. Mundy. And then we hear some from some of our friends and podcast family. So here we go. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. the only Jedi master who can crash box Kia D. 
cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Kitty cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Luherb! Cockhead! Hosberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! K&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! Uh, yay, yay. All right. First up, you know him. You love him. He'd be bringing you the information on Twitter that you need to pretend like you know shit on your own Star Wars podcast. Nostra Thomas, he of the Lando Quatrain. King Tom, the king of all Toms. Let's hear what our buddy has to say. Hey, Hawes and Will. First off, I want to thank you guys for the kind words regarding Legends and me last week. I have to admit, though, that while there are a lot of Legends books I enjoy, while I've read a lot of them, you know, comics and books and played the video games, I, I am not really an authority on everything Legends. There are certain things that I either checked out of or never even bothered to pick up in the first place. And so while I do know a lot there are certain people like sal who know a lot more oh no i cut king tom off Urgh. hey Hawes and will here we go first again. off i want to thank you guys for the kind words regarding legends and me last week i have to admit though that while there are a lot of legends books i enjoy while i've read a lot of them you know comics and books and played the video games i i am not really an authority on everything legends there are certain things that i either checked out of or never even bothered to pick up in the first place and so while i do know a lot there are certain people like sal who know a lot more than i do but because legends is on my mind and you know you guys were talking about it i wanted to ask you and this is a question that gets thrown out every now and then but if there's something from legends you guys could bring back into the main canon what would it be? My answer would be Lumia. She's a character that was originally brought up in the original Marvel comic series. She started Light off as whip. a rebellion operative, a pilot. She was friends with Luke, but she died, and it looked like Luke was at fault. But it turns out that she was actually a undercover agent of Darth Vader, and she came back as the you know dark apprentice dark lady of the sith she had a light whip she was a cyborg um, and it, it's kind of sad because they used her a few times in the comics and she was always easily beaten by luke but then maybe about 20 years later in late legends she came back and they used her more seriously and she was she helped one of the solo kids turn to the dark side and it was a pretty cool way of using her and i think it would be cool if they if they brought back something along the lines of that concept again but i'm curious as to what you guys think and and will you know you you, you had a chance when you wrote that story from from a certain point of view you could even brought in someone from you know john luke picard from star trek but you didn't but hmm. i'm curious who you guys would bring back anyway thanks for listening and i'll talk to you guys later buddy how did we never talk about that you mr will wheaton 
wrote a, a short story in the From a Certain Point of View book. I totally forgot about that. It's just never come up. Yeah. Well, according to Wikipedia, Lena is a short story story in the anthology From a Certain Point of View. The story was written by Will Wheaton. Why has he only right. got why you only got one L in your name, Will Wheaton? Because at some point when your name is William, the cooler you get, the less L's you need. Ah, so really I should just call you Wee. 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 And see, yeah, perfect. All right. Whatever. Wee 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 T-Hon. Wee wee T-Hon. Yeah, that's funny. One day, Will and I were dicking around at the house, you know, maybe taking a couple elevator rides and decided to put our names into that Star Wars name generator or whatever. And Will's was Wee Wee T-Hon and mine was mm-hmm. Burry McCoy. Burry McCoy. Burry McCoy. Um, So what's something from Legends that you would bring back, Will? I kind of like, well, this isn't Legends. What is it? Uh, I, the the idea that the Emperor had an heir. That is Legends. You know, is it? Well, I mean, it not wasn't. The, not the book that I'm thinking about isn't Legends. Yeah, think. like the, the Glove of Darth Vader stuff. Like that was even not considered canon in the stuff that wasn't canon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. No, but, I know. I do. I, I, I do like the idea of right. the fact that. You know, he might have an heir out there that needed stopping. For sure. Um, that is a pretty tight concept. Um, what would I bring back? <clears throat> I feel like mine is is real basic, and, and it's probably something that our listeners are tired of hearing me talk about, but easily, Tales of the Jedi like yeah. that whole series, Quinlan Voss, or not Quinlan Voss, that's our boy Sal. Um, you look Caldroma and um, Nomi Sunrider and XR Coon and oh, all that stuff. I would, in the like, if they were like, you got one day to work on the Star Wars story group, do as much damage as you can. I'd be like, guys, call in a meeting. We're bringing Tales of the Jedi back. That's canon. If you guys, what want, we're doing? If you want to make it into a movie, animated series, uh, radio drama, uh, the TV show, whatever, do whatever you want. But it's canon now. I'm taking my lunch break, and I'll see you guys later. That's easily my answer. Like, I love that stuff. I actually have the two omnibus collections of that sitting on my end table by where I sit on the couch, yeah. and like. Every now and then I'll just be sitting there and I'll look over at him. I'm like, is it time? Is it time to pick them up and read them all the way through yet again? And lately it's been like, nah, I got Xbox to play. But I feel a reread of those coming up soon. It's not like I haven't read them enough as it is. Right. But yeah, that's easily my answer. Like I said, something I talk about all the time, so probably not that surprising or or in-depth. But I really enjoy those comics maybe my favorite star wars comics um i'm trying to think of if there's anything else that i really any like i agree with king tom that character is it lumia not luminara is an actual jedi no you're right it's lumia lumia that's a cool concept she looks real badass in the marvel comics i don't know that i'm 
super sold on the light whip, you know, like light whip might be a little too cheesy for me. I can't hang with a light whip, I'll be honest. Yeah, like uh, the light whip doesn't really do anything for me, but everything else is really cool. And it was cool. Like, say what you will about Legends towards the end of its life, you know, from like, not even the end of its life, from like the new Jedi Order on. They did some very cool stuff. They did some very silly stuff. But I feel like one of the strengths of that time in Star Wars expanded material was the all-encompassing that they did where like uh, a book that took place in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones elements and planets and stuff from that would show up 40, 50 years later in the canon timeline and play a big part in the New Jedi Order or like uh, King Tom was talking about Lumia would show up and and fucking help turn Jason Solo to the dark side and he became uh, a Sith Lord and stuff like they they did a right. good job of being like taking all the elements of different can you hear that train I can dear lord sounds like I live in Red Dead Redemption hold up guys I gotta go rob this train real quick mm. alright I'm back <clears throat> alright there it goes again. Choo-choo. I wonder if that's picking up on the microphone. All right. Um. Damn. I think that train is getting robbed. All right. We got, uh, I think we only have one other voicemail, and then it's emails from then on out. Yeah, I believe that is the case. So we're going to hear from our buddy, Josh Nelson. Let's hear what he has to say. What is up, Haas and Will? This is Josh here. I know it's been a while. I just wanted to send in a quick voicemail. Hey, by the way, I just, you know, really appreciate everything you do. Um, and obviously the Kessel Toy Run and, uh, you know, your work with the holiday special and all the proceeds and stuff. It, it's just a testament to that. And I think the community really does get together and do some great things. So, like I said, you guys rock. Um, could not be prouder to be a Patreon supporter of this fine podcast. Uh, so anyway, wanted to get your opinion real quick on something. Um, would it be too much of a stretch if in episode nine we are able to revisit Cloud City? Because that's one of my favorite settings from from you know from all of Star Wars. Just for some reason, when I think back to Empire, watching Empire as a kid, you know that gleaming Cloud City was fucking awesome. And I always thought Lando was such a scumbag until you know I saw. Return of the Jedi, and I was like, oh yeah, he's cool, he's cool, he's alright, um, but, but like, wouldn't it be awesome, and, and maybe we don't even see it, because I, I understand how hard that would do, like, be to create it, and I'm sure that someone would have leaked that by now, um, even though I know that, that episode nine set secrecy is, like, above and beyond now, like, crazy, crazy set secrecy, but, um, what if it's mentioned? Or maybe what if Lando comes over the comms, like Chewie flips on the comms in the Falcon, and the whole resistance here is, you know, Hello, this is Lando Calrissian from Cloud City. Y'all need help? <laughs> or something like that. And maybe Lobot shows up with an entourage of Ugnaughts, and the, the Ugnaughts can help Chewie fix the Falcon, and, and, you know, you could have some classic Star Wars physical comedy bits where they're throwing around the wrenches and Chewie's getting all upset. Yeah, it'd be, that'd be great. I, I would I would really thoroughly enjoy that. But boy, how cool would it be if, like, 
they stop for repairs in Cloud City, and that's where Lando enters the story. Because it got me thinking of how that might be, um, you know, given the whole, uh, you know, Leia situation. Uh, but anyway, let me know what you guys think about that. Um, and, uh, you know, may the Force be with you. And uh, keep up, uh, as Kevin Smith said about J.J. Abrams, the Lord's work. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys take care. Bye. Thanks, Josh. What do you think, Will? You think we could see Cloud City in Episode Nine? I think it's totally possible. I, I think it's totally possible. I don't know. Of what... all the places that could show up, I think from the past, I think you know, Tatooine and Cloud City are the two most likely. Like, I don't know how I've never thought of this. Like, of course it's possible. We're getting Lando back in Episode Nine, so I don't even think that it's that big of a stretch to to think that it's possible. Like. I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket and saying, absolutely, we'll see Cloud City. But I think the possibility is there because, partially because I want to see what Cloud City looks like 30-something, 30-plus years after Empire. Right. You know? And in the canon, they, you know, they made a concerted effort to establish that, like, after the Battle of Endor, Lando and Lobot went and... Um, basically liberated Cloud City from the Empire. Right. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible, and I think it would be cool. Granted, I gotta say, one of the cheesier moments in, in Star Wars literary, hist- literary history, when Lando and Lobot get back on Cloud City, there's a line where Lam- Lando goes, Lobot, we're home. Like lo- oh, no. like uh, echoing that moment from The Force Awakens. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, too, too on the nose for me, guys. Yikes. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, um, I think it's well within the realm of possibility that we get a return to Cloud City. And like I said, hadn't considered it before, but the idea of that really gets me going. That excites me. That could be really cool. Even for just a moment, like... Man, that could be cool. Alrighty. Uh, next up, we're going to get into some emails. Uh, we got, first up, our buddy Dave. Happy weekend, Nerf Herders. I am very excited for all of the Mando and Cassian shows coming out, including the prospect of some more established characters stopping by as support roles. But this gets me thinking and even worried about the limitations that canon might put on storytelling. I don't really even believe in canon and think that the idea of trying to determine what really happened in a world where nothing is real is an exercise in futility, but I can appreciate the effort. Take our world, for example. Real-world history is the ultimate canon. But even when we make biopics about real-life figures, we move things around, change dates, locations, combine characters, and do whatever needs to be done to push the essence and themes of the story while not getting bogged down in the details of who was where and when. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, so they say. I understand the purpose of trying to create some kind of timeline for Star Wars to give the universe some richness. But the moment it begins to inhibit the creativity of creators rather than expand upon it, it becomes a hindrance. If it's good for the drama of the story to have Cassian and Bale have a conversation in an Imperial bunker, but we can't do it because Bale is supposed to be off-world on this particular date and some some comic 
that was never re- that was released five years ago, that will be a shame. How do you feel about canon? Do you stick to it at the cost of story? Do you guys do you think you ignore it when it becomes inconvenient? Do you constantly retcon, or you just wipe the slate clean every decade or so? Thanks for the entertainment, Dave in South Florida. Um, you know, in a lot of cases, I agree with Dave. Not necessarily 100%. I do feel like sometimes we can become a little too obsessed and focused on whether something is canon or not. and Agreed, yeah. And not focus on whether we enjoy the actual story. But on the other hand, I like a rich canon in, in pretty much any property that I enjoy. Like part of the reason I got so into the X-Men when I was a kid is they had this huge history from like back in the sixties that carried on and it, you know, it was before they started doing all the like reboots and wiping the slate clean in the Marvel universe. So there was like, you know, so much backstory and rich character detail. And so, you know, on another hand, I do enjoy a canon, but I think my personal approach is not necessarily to ignore parts of the canon that I don't enjoy as much, but I just don't focus on it. If it's something that I'm not into, then I like I don't let it bring my enjoyment down of things you that just I let do it enjoy. be. Just let it be. Now, you know, when trying to formulate a theory or a an idea or something, I try to take as much canon knowledge as I have into account. But once again, like as much as I'd like to be, I am not an infallible, like 100% correct, up-to-date red on current canon individual, you know? So, and it's hard to do, man. And, and, you know, for a while there, it was much easier to keep track of once they they wiped legends from the slate but you know that was four or five years ago at this point and since then like we've gotten so many comics and books and things like it's it, it does become hard to keep track of so <clears throat> for me the best approach is to just focus on what i enjoy and and let the other stuff sort of fall to the side but at least try to be aware of it. What do you think, Will? I think that's about all you can do. Yeah. Something doesn't fit in canon. I think canon has a better shot at going up forward now, now that there's a big money and, you know, years out story behind things. I don't think you have to worry about that as much as you used to. Right. And You know what I'm saying? And see, the thing is, is I truly believe at the end of the day, there's there's definitely a canon hierarchy, you know? And I feel like anything that you, in Star Wars, anything you can sit down and watch, be it a movie or a TV show or an animated series, those right. are at the top of the canon mound, you know? And then video games, books, comics, and things of that nature fall below that, meaning, like, I don't necessarily know if a talented writer or storyteller or filmmaker came along and wanted to do something that conflicted with something that happened in a comic book or a novel that they would fully allow them not to do that just because it it didn't mesh with something 
that, let's be honest, a small amount of people compared to who see the movies and stuff took in, you know? Right. So, and, and honestly, like, I, I'm also a believer that they can only go f- so far in filling up the Star Wars canon before things will start to overlap and conflict. And who knows? Like, eventually it could become very confusing where they have to state that certain things are and aren't canon. So, really just take take the approach to canon that best suits your your needs in fandom, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Take the approach to canon of whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Honestly, you know, because if there there are certain parts of it you don't like, then, you know, you, that doesn't have to be part of your head, Ken. You, to take whatever makes you feel groovy. Yeah, man. All right, next up, we got our buddy Rural Farm Boy writing in instead of calling in because he had some pictures for us. How do, Halls and Will? Rural Farm Boy here. A rare email from me. He, he, he. Can't wait to hear how's you're going to read me as I do write as I talk. Anyways, Dunherd Hall's got some, maybe rightfully so, gripes with what we've been shown with Gaiman in the Star Wars galaxy because of Star Wars Resistant Episode 9, Secrets and Holograms. Reason for my email instead of voicemail is because of photos. Now, Hall's, I ain't aiming to change your mind nor nothing, but hear me out. I know you're younger me than me, but I do know you know your Star Wars like I do. Same, but different. So here's this. Star Wars graphics always been simple, right? No. Really. Really they've been simple. Let me show you. My humble apologies to them listeners who can't see audio photographs. Like this. And then he has some examples. So we see, you know, like the uh, Death Star targeting computer and, you know, basically a bunch of screens from Star Wars. Like the... uh, the view screens and echo base and things of that nature. And he's right. It's very sort of primitive vector style graphics, right? Yeah. You know, the, the kind of stuff we're used to seeing on view screens in Star Wars. Maybe right. he sees where I'm going. Yeah. They take us into hyperspace and such blasters, lightsabers, comlinks and such, but the background's always been simple. Plainly put Tora Doza's game fight simulator squadron graphics does fit in. So, well, well, maybe just to me, we all don't see things all the same. Me, I love the little things in these stories. Stuff's like this. I always try to look deeper and wider without looking too closely. Because if you're looking too closely, well, you're done seeing right through it. Your thoughts? May the force of others be with yours. See you on the radio, Royal Farm Boy slash Anthony. Well, thanks, buddy. I mean, I'll agree. Like it does line up with things we've seen technologically technology wise in star wars for sure but you also got to think like if you look at red dead redemption and then you look at and this is just it's a real world parallel which doesn't always work well when comparing with star wars right but let's say right you look at red dead redemption 2 which is you know one of the most graphically impressive games of the modern era and compare that with a military targeting computer like it's it's vastly different right because you don't you don't need that on a military targeting computer you need the pertinent information you know so i'm just saying like they could have spiced up the star wars gaming graphics 
Like, is it, does it ruin it for me? Absolutely not. Like, I just thought it was funny because. I get that it's basic. Yeah. But like, it could have been, it could have been snazzy. It could have, you could have been like, damn, I wish that I would want to play that Star Wars video game. Right. Because I love video games. Instead of feeling like, oh, video games and Star Wars are like Galaga. (laughs) Uh, you know what I when after we recorded last week I th- I was like damn you know what I sounded like you know in um is it uh, Back to the Future two when he goes into the um, the diner and those kids are playing the arcade and they're like this is a baby's game that's yeah what, yeah 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 that's what I felt like I was was that little snot nosed kid <laughs> but um yeah like I said it doesn't ruin it for me I just always envisioned. Like, cause I like video games so much, and I want to live in the Star Wars universe so much. I've always wondered, like, wonder what it's like to play a video game in Star Wars. And then it turns out, like, if there's anything we got better here than in the Star Wars universe, it's video games. Yeah, it looks like it's video games. Yeah, got him. <clears throat> okay, so all right. Next up, we got an email from our buddy Eddie, who's on the Bucketheads podcast. How's it going, Halls and Will? I was looking up archive figure release dates for the Bounty Hunters, and then a question popped into my head that I had to ask you. Do you guys consider consider a full complete set of Bounty Hunter figures as all the Bounty Hunters from Star Wars, or just the group from Empire Strikes Back? I saw on Twitter a while back, Halls posted that he completed his set with Zuckus. Just curious if that set is just the Empire crew, or does your Bounty Hunter lot include Greedo, and Bosch Leia too. How do you say that, buddy? Leia in that, dis- you know, Leia in her Return of the Jedi disguise. I know I'm saying it wrong. Like, how, was, how do you how do you spell it? I think it's B O U S H. Fuck. I get Bausch is all I think. It I, may be Boosh, but I thought it was Bausch. I I go Bausch, Boosh, or Bosch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Let me look. Bush on Wikipedia. Let's see if they can help me out here with the pronunciation. Um, they cannot. So it's B O U S H H. Bosch. Bosch. Anyway, uh, Bosch Leia or Greedo as part of the complete set. I just include the the hunters from the iconic scene that I'm trying to replicate once I get all the figures. I know some people consider Greedo a bounty hunter. Well, I guess technically he is. I always just thought of him as a joke of one. (laughs) Just thought to ask you guys that random ass question. Also, if it's possible, could Will please give a good recipe for cooking lamb? I want to try cooking it now that I personally tried it on a kebab the other day. It's just like steak where I can prep it in the same way, or is there a certain technique you would recommend before I toss it in the grill, on the grill, or in a frying pan? If you want to say it for a Patreon episode of Cooking with Will, I totally understand, too. Thanks again, guys. Hopefully, by the time you read this email, I will have been caught up on the regular podcast and Patreon feed. The holidays are kicking me in the ass. Hope you guys have a kick-ass Christmas in case I fall behind again because of work and some reason miss the episodes. About the holiday special, just need to time, find the time to listen. But just like last year, I'm sure it'll be even better. Your buckethead moisture farmer, Eddie F. Thanks, buddy. So yeah, Will, if I know my answer to this, but let's say you you were putting together a collection of um bounty hunters. 
bounty hunter figures, what would you consider your collection to be? Would it be that iconic six man? I would team? consider, yeah, the the Empire. If if that would be a complete collection for me, the okay. Empire bounty hunters, because Aura Singh is a badass, mm-hmm. and um, was it Cad Bane is a badass, but you know, it's just it's. They weren't an empire, I guess. Right. Well, I pretty much agree with agree with you. Like when I think bounty hunters, I think of that set of guys. Now, uh, as far as putting together the Black Series set of figures, if they brought out a Cad Bane uh, Black Series, I, I could be easily convinced to cons- consider him as part of the set because uh, separate from the the Empire Bounty Hunters, Cad Bane is like my next favorite. Like, he's up there with my list of, of favorite Bounty Hunters. Same thing with Embo, if you remember him from the Clone Wars. Uh, I feel like Embo doesn't get enough love. He looks cool as fuck. Um, yeah. But yeah, for the most part, I just consider those those six um, Bounty Hunters. But... Yeah, even if I was doing a display of Star Wars bounty hunters, not just Empire, and let's say I had Cad Bane, Ara Singh, Imbo, um, et cetera, et cetera, in there, I don't know that I would include Greedo in there. Even. Even though, like, I guess he is technically a bounty hunter. He might be, but he's not a very good one. Yeah, just like Eddie said, like, he's kind of a joke. So I don't, I don't really think I would include him. <clears throat> All right. Next up, we got our buddy Christopher. Hey, Halls and Will. Big fan. This is my second time writing in. I love The Last Jedi and Luke's sacrifice in the movie. However, I have to admit I will be a bit disappointed if we don't see more of Luke in Episode Nine. Something more than a boot blue force ghost sitting on a log giving a few words of advice. I have two fun but unlikely ideas. Not sure if these would even work on screen, but it's fun to speculate. I wonder if you guys would also share some speculation about how Luke's character will be used in Episode 9. My two ideas. Number one. Kylo Ren and his Knights of Ren corner Ray. Kylo tells her, you're trapped. You have no one to help you. This is the end. Then we hear Luke's voice say, not yet. Force Ghost Luke with an entourage of fallen Jedi appear while Ray battles Kylo. Luke and the other ghost work some spirit whoop-ass on the Knights of Ren. Number two, while Rey and the Resistance battle Kylo Ren in the First Order in the Living Realm, Luke, Yoda, Qui-Gon, Anakin, and Kenobi have a parallel battle in the Cosmic Force Realm against the Emperor Snoke and a bunch of ancient Sith Dark Sith side ghosts. Ultimately, oh ultimately, both the Living and Cosmic Force will be balanced after the Dark Side. Both Living and Cosmic is wiped out. Would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the great podcast. Yours, Chris. Dang, dude. <laughs> Look, buddy. Like, you you said it in your email. Probably, ultimately, unlikely. But both concepts sound fun. They're, they're fun concepts, no doubt. Uh, I just don't know how you do... Uh, the first one, not so much. I mean, the Army of Fallen Jedi. You know what that reminds me of? Um, What's that? In Return of the King, when Aragorn shows... Is it Return of the King or Two Towers? Where Aragorn shows up with all the ghosts? That's Return of the King, right? I think so, yeah. Where he shows up on the fucking 
ghost pirate ship with all the spooky guys. Spooky ghosts. What do you think we're going to see from from Luke in episode nine? I think it's going to be so brief. A little force ghost uh, action for either Ray or Kylo, but probably just Ray. Yeah. Just a lit- the littlest bit for Ray. See. I feel like we should probably go into episode nine expecting that, you know, just Force Ghost Luke being wise, being badass. But I will also say (coughs) that I think the door is open for something more. First off, if Mark Hamill is already shot for a week and has to go back and shoot more, to me, that means he's going to be present more than, say, Obi-Wan in Return of the Jedi for one scene. Because they shot that stuff, by the way, of Alec Guinness, Guinness in Return of the Jedi in one day, I believe. Yeah. You know? So, at least from a screen um, a screen time perspective, I think it'll be more than Alec Guinness in Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah. So, um. But, you know, from a realistic what we have seen in Star Wars so far standpoint, like, I think Force Ghost Luke dispensing advice, warnings, and things of that nature should be what we expect. And if that's what you go in expecting, I think you you won't be disappointed and you will be, you leave the door open to be surprised if they do more, right? Because, exactly. you know... I've talked about that on this on this show. I've talked about it on Rogue One. I feel like they established in the Last Jedi with with Yoda pulling the lightning out of the sky on Ock Two, like that there are at least the possibility of some Force Ghost abilities that can affect the real world, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Um, and you know. I feel like I'm repeating myself so much. They could always say, like, well, that's because it was on Octu. Octu is powerful in the Force. Like, you're able to do things like that when you're in a location so connected to the Force, right? Right. Um, But, yeah, I don't know, man. I just get a feeling that there is the possibility that we see more. I can't hang my hat on that. I can't put all my hopes and dreams in that because I've been trying to temper Star Wars expectations for a while now. Just because like if I let if I let my fa- my fan head get too crazy, you guys be calling me Mike Zero all the crazy shit I'd be dreaming up, you know? I mean, I wouldn't be passing it off as real, but you'd be like, "Damn, you really thought up that? You really thought up that fucking Luke doing ghost kung fu and wiping out a whole first order army but i thought yeah i thought of that who do you think this is man um and once again not to repeat myself but i i think it's interesting in an early draft of return of the jedi there was a an element of the story where obi-wan and yoda returned to physical form from being Force Ghost and helped Luke, helped Luke fight the Emperor and Darth Vader in the end, right? Yeah. And obviously they didn't use that idea again, but 
you know, it could get recycled and brought back up. So who knows? But you're in the camp of we're just going to see wise force ghost master Skywalker. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the most realistic grounded take to take on with it. But like I said, I, I do think the door is at least slightly cracked to where we could get something more. Um, I know one thing I do want to see. And this was something that it doesn't hinder my enjoyment of The Last Jedi, but it is something I wish they had done. I wish Luke and Rey had left off on better terms. You know, like her and Luke have that argument and then he refuses to help her. It is kind of cold. It yeah. is kind of cold-blooded. And, and then she leaves, so that that's never resolved. So I'm hoping we see, like, I don't know, this might be kind of sappy, but, like, genuine, caring Luke Skywalker talking to Rey. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see good guy Luke Skywalker reassuring Rey, dropping wisdom on her, helping her figure out her path as the remaining the last remaining jedi you know so i hope there is some resolution between ray and luke's relationship in episode nine and honestly i think it's maybe something you have to do once again i don't like being that like steadfast and planting my flag in the ground and being like you have to do this but it almost seems like it's left open like un unresolved so it can be addressed in the next movie yeah it kind of seems that way doesn't it yeah <clears throat> all right next up we got a email from our buddy josh aka billy bob hey halls and will first i'd like to thank king tom for the further recommendations for the star wars legend novels i really appreciate it and luckily i have access to most of the recommendations you guys gave me Thanks to my local library. I've been reading some old Dark Horse Don the Jedi Legends trade paperbacks also. It's really good so far. If you haven't read it, I would recommend it. I also love all the Mandalorian news that's been dropping on social media and the rest of the internet. I won't go into details about it because y'all probably already cover most of it in the pod, but the cast is really cool so far. Can't wait to see what Nick, Multi Nick Nolte brings to the show. Haven't really seen him since the shitty Ang Lee Hulk movie, and before that, three fugitives are blue chips. Guess we'll see very soon. Uh, thanks that again. We will. Thanks again. Have a week, and may the force be with you, Billy Bob. P.S. Sorry if I offended anyone about the Ang Lee Hulk film. Hulk is one of my favorite characters, and that movie just didn't hit the spot. Buddy, I don't know that anybody's going to push back on you on that one, because that movie is bad. I saw that movie in the theaters, and I don't know that I've seen it since. If if you I owned that movie. I'm not talking we're talking the first Hulk movie, right? Not the Edward yeah. Norton. We're talking nope. the Eric Bana, nope. right? Eric Bana. If I'm not mistaken, that's the Hulk movie that includes Hulked out poodles and shit that he fights. Uh I think so, yeah. Whew. Not good. You know what's funny is uh <clears throat> a few years back, Jesse and I went Black Friday shopping. And we went to Walmart to look at uh, cheap Blu-rays, right? And they right. had this array of cool Steelbook Blu-ray sets, right? So we picked up like Serenity and uh, 
couple other, you know, cool movies. And I got what I thought was The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton in Steelbook Blu-ray. And I was like, kick ass. This is another movie I can add to my like Marvel Cinematic Universe collection. Because, right. um, you know, a lot of people forget that movie is part of the MCU or whatever. Right. I'm all stoked. Like, fuck yeah, $4 for a steel book, The Incredible Hulk? Oh, no, sir. It's the Ang Lee Hulk. So I, too, own that movie, still shrink-wrapped in uh, steel book format on my DVD shelf. So I got burned. The cool part of that... Um, uh... I feel like that movie was that, you know, the more you pissed Hulk off, the like kind of like the bigger and more powerful he gets, right? Right. I, I don't think any of the other Hulk media kind of like touches on that. I think right. that's important to know, though, if you're fucking with the Hulk. Yeah, and I don't know that it's necessary. You know, I'm not the most knowledgeable about the Hulk. Like, he's, I like the character quite a bit, but I'm not like, he's not a guy I'm as much read up on as other characters. Right. Um, And I don't know how consistent that is. Like, I'm sure it's been an element of Hulk comics in the past, but I don't know if that's something that consistently comes up. And I also feel like, oh, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you feel like the size of the Hulk in the actual MCU movies seems to differ from movie to movie. I feel like it differs from movie to movie, but in my mind that was always because he was more mad on how pissed off he was. Okay. As he calms down, I feel like the Hulk shrinks like, but the more enraged he gets, he gets bigger and tougher and swoller and stronger. Which Hulk movie was Jennifer Connelly in? Was she, that was the Ang Lee one, man. That's a shame because I love Lisa. Betty Page is. She's not Betty Page. I don't. Not Betty Page. Betty something. Uh, her, Betty Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross. Yeah, because her Betsy Ross is her dad is Thunderbolt Ross, who's been showing up again in the Marvel movies. Interestingly enough. Maybe Jennifer Connelly was Betsy Ross. But I know Betsy Ross was in the Edward Norton Hulk. Right. And was she who did she who played her in the Edward Norton? I think it was Liv Tyler. Okay. Okay. Liv Tyler is Betsy Ross, I believe. I gotcha. Well, guys, that's gonna do it for this week. We have one more email. It's from our buddy Dave, who sent in two this week. We're running at an hour and a half already. It's past midnight already for us, so we're going to wrap it up, but Dave, don't worry, buddy. We'll get to your second email next week. So we appreciate uh, everybody that sends in emails. We, you know, just trying to uh, keep it at a, dis- a decent time for you guys. Like um, like Eddie said, I myself am falling ba- behind on podcasts, so I'm not trying to push out a two-hour one for you guys. But thanks for taking the time to record with me this week, buddy. Oh, dude, thank you for having me on. Guys, uh we got some cool stuff coming up for our Patreon subscribers. Once again, blue harvest or or patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast. We're about to hit our six month mark. And that means for our people that signed up in the first month, you're going to be getting your sixth month March packages, whether you're the $5 or $10 tier. So 
Things are coming together for that. Got some cool stuff. I hope you guys dig it. So look forward to that. Um, 21 episodes away from episode 200 and four years of doing this goofy-ass show. Uh, and we got some things in the works for that. So stay tuned some for that. good stuff. If you enjoy our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music, their Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star t- five iTunes review when you have a chance. You guys really came through in the last couple of weeks and dropped some reviews on us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, it's very nice of you guys. So, thank you again. And if you haven't left one yet, man, it is the episode of Sirens. Now you hear that, Siren? There's a lot going on in Birmingham. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Is that late night city action? Anyways, guys, we'll uh, see you next week talking about some Star Wars leading into Christmas. Who knows? May not be much to talk about next week because we won't even have a resistance episode. So who knows? We'll try to figure something out anyway. But until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.